After finding the remains of 215 children at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, Touchline Thoughts would like to take a few moments to acknowledge the land we are on. We pass on our deepest respect and love to the lost children and their families, as well as the Indigenous, First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples who through the history of Canada have undeservingly lost their lands and lost their voices in our country. As we record this podcast, guests and ourselves reside in three major cities in Ontario. We acknowledge each one of them now. We would like to acknowledge the land on which we gather and which the region of Peel operates is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. For thousands of years, Indigenous peoples inhabited and cared for this land. In particular, we acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek, the Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, the Ojibwe, Chippewa peoples, the land that is home to the Métis, and most recently, the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. We are grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land, and by doing so, give our respect to its first inhabitants. We acknowledge the land on which the City of Toronto resides as a traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by the Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. In Ottawa, we acknowledge that we are standing on unceded Algonquin, Anishinaabek territory. They are the past and present caretakers of the waterways and the land that we call Ottawa. We are grateful to have the opportunity to be present in this territory. Now, over to your new Touchline Thoughts episode. Welcome back to Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. Network. Wow, it's been a while. I can't even speak. In a couple I'm, weeks. Yeah, it's, it has. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, I'm Paige, and I'm here with Irfan as usual. And how are you doing? Good, good. I'm glad we're back after a few weeks off. Um, I know we did our live show, but it wasn't really a show show. But right. No, yeah. I've missed it. That's for sure. It's good to it's good to be back. Yeah, but you've been busy. You've been training super hard. Um, yeah. we're we're waiting for the start of your season i think we'll actually get to see you more um I, with, yeah hopefully. with bigger with uh with a bigger team um especially maybe fingers crossed fingers crossed <laughs> we'll find it we'll, we'll make sure we can watch your games yeah no i've it's been busy training but um yep yeah, this weekend we head off so we were free to do a show and super excited about that so yeah so we're gonna talk olympics because uh, that's what's going on it's not the euros anymore but we still have some euro talk uh incidents plural that follow the euro finals we'll get to that so we'll catch you in a bit jump right into our starting 11 for today should we should we start with olympics yeah i think so that's a good, sp- good yeah. spot yeah um so canada women's played two matches so far um in olympic soccer and for me i know we were kind of talking about this off air but olympics are i think uh for soccer are 
the females put their strongest teams in there and the men's don't necessarily, they maybe put their U 23s and, and things like that. But um, I think the better competition or the more exciting is on the women's side, especially this year. I don't know if you've seen any of the games, but agreed. Ooh, agreed. Good. Cause I feel like, like you said this as well, um, but the Olympics for the women's counts as like a form of world cup or a European championship. I mean, for those sure. exist, but it's like, this is so huge because you have bragging rights, you got gold. Whereas for the men, uh, and, and then you've made this point as well, is that it's the World Cup and the Euros and the Copa that end up being more important to them. Any other tournament but the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, which blows my mind now because it's like, if you're going to be here, like France has a 1A, 1B team because they're so deep. Why not have the opportunity to feel that team? Same thing with Brazil, right. like have that opportunity because there's so many talented players playing in the Brazilian league that you don't get enough to see and then not only why do you that... think though like why do you think that on the men's side it's more of like they throw their u23s or u20s or 21s or whatever and on the women's side it's it's full squads is like why do you think they do that my biggest hunch though is these players would end up playing 12 months in the year right they never they don't get a break no they don't get a break especially with the next world cup being a guitar and that that talk about it being moved into the the winter months for right. example right so like they don't necessarily have a break at all so i think that might be the biggest problem and for the youth you're like yeah, you guys are young and that's the worst thing to say but you guys are young right and right. i mean you get that opportunity to play and i think there's not a lot of recognition for these young guys i mean they don't you don't see them on tv unless they're playing for big clubs right like richarlison for example apparently he's 24 we both didn't know that yeah we um, had to google his age um we're both like, like how old is he <laughs> like for him playing at everton we see him a little bit more because it's it's the premier league but like the rest of their young guys you don't see them a lot unless unless they're playing for big clubs so i think maybe that's the difference whereas for the women's side it's not on tv a lot and i think right when it comes on the olympics you're like oh there's women's soccer and it's like, well, yes you live in a in a, in a dark room or something because you don't know that but <laughs> there is women's soccer you live in a rock where are you yeah what you doing um <laughs> oh fun little thing about rocks sorry completely off topic <laughs> um so i went on a hike yesterday and i kept calling these ruins a bunch of rocks there were ruins oh, and no. rocks and that's the story so it's it's a small little story and my friend was like so we're gonna all walk back to the rocks and i was like but you just corrected me like 10 minutes ago that it's ruins like my sister would kill you my sister's a geology student or was a geology student she's a geologist geology yes oh, i got gotcha. yeah, yeah. you got I what got, i was trying to say you're, you're picking up what i'm putting down <laughs> well because we went up to the mckenzie king estate uh yesterday we we're like we're just gonna chill ended up being a two-hour hike and that's what happened <laughs> um but like i was like oh we're gonna stand by the rocks i don't know what they're called and, and then everybody's they're they're ruins they're old remnants of his house and i was like yeah the rocks are made of rocks, the rocks cool yeah made of rocks whatever <laughs> yeah, sorry you are not living under a rock i am apparently yeah uh, seriously all right back to, we back to olympics we're talking about oh, yeah the, living the, under a rock yeah yeah but i mean i think that's what it is it's just women's soccer doesn't get shown on tv enough and and then when it comes on the olympics you get the opportunity to watch it and people are like oh this is good yeah well and maybe for the men's side too they use it for like re recruiting purposes or like you know giving the younger guys a good show so that the the coaches for the full teams you know have a look at them and that's the only way that they look at them not the only way but one of the ways to look at them i don't know because the olympics are every four years you know it's not like it's every year and they get a chance to 
to check out the young team. Mm. So I think the, the Olympics matches up with the, the Euro championships right. for the, the European sides. It might be a little difficult, but if you're deep, then play, play players in the championship. If you're England, who cares? Like, right. You'll, you'll see a lot more, you know, technical players instead of showboats. This is true. I don't know. This is very true. But we'll see. We'll see if they'll change the rule. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it now. It's just not going to get enough hype. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, the big ones like we talked about are the World Cup and the Euros and Copa America and those ones. So I think, you know, because those are the full teams and everybody wants to watch, you know, Pogba and like all the the big names playing in those tournaments. So, but on the women's side, it's all the big names. They're they're always the the big names for everything. I yeah. mean, to the point where they're not playing for their their respective teams right now for like how many weeks? Like Sinclair's been missing for the Thorns for how long, and they're still yeah. playing well. So I mean, yeah. it's good to see because it also gives these NWSL teams uh, an eye to see who their depth players are. For sure. Um, for like, sure. let's try this guy out, or this sorry, this individual out, and then you go, oh, actually, you know what? They're a perfect replacement for the future, or let's trade them because their value is high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. I mean, that's kind of what happened in in the, not last year, but kind of the start of the pandemic when the NWSL came back and did that Challenge Cup. Mm -hmm. A lot of the players went off to Europe because they wanted to play full seasons, right? And so the players that were left got a lot of opportunity to to show what they got and, like Mm -hmm. you said, kind of see what their depth was. And and that was really good for a bunch of Canadian players because they ended up getting called into the national team, right? So example, Jordan Listro, for example, exactly, who 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 probably wouldn't have had many opportunities and now gets the the chance to play for sure. So it's great for those players to to um, get any time you can to show what you got, right, and change the coach's mind. So don't you hate it though like your season's playing and then there's the olympics at the same time so you're losing all your key players so for like yeah, teams it's that only are... in the nwsl like because right. we don't even start playing until the end of august and the right. girls are back by then well for you but for for the league that is the nwsl because it's right. supposed to be so good can you afford like i mean i know the depth's there i know the players and the, the thing is there but if I'm not seeing an Alex Morgan or Marta or Christine Sinclair in a game versus the the it's not the same. Or like you have a team who's like mid table because they're struggling to find replacements. Like how does that? A lot of the time, like you're recruiting based on the players you have. You're not recruiting based on your players going to the Olympics. You know what I mean? Right. So you're like, okay, we have a, we have Marta, for example, we don't need a player for that position or we're going to play this other player because they play really well together or mm-hmm. we're recruiting this player. You're not like, Oh, well, she's going to be in the Olympics for, for a month. So we're going to need, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it, again, it is only every four years. It just happens to be this year. Um, well, I guess technically last year, but this year, right. no, no. Um, I think it loses the NWSL loses a little bit of, not value, but I don't know what the proper word would be for it. Like it they brings lose... in the eyes. It kind of loses some of yeah. the eyes, right? Like yes. if you don't see Morgan and you want to see a Pride and Thorns game, for example, you're like, but who's who's there? Not that there's poor players on either side. You just you you always look for the bigger names when you're watching a well, Even and pre- especially like teams like Orlando miss a ton of players because they have a ton of national team girls, not just American national team girls, but um, like uh, New Zealand national team players and Allie yeah. Riley. And you know what I mean? So they're missing a lot of, of players. Not yeah. So yeah, it loses its sparkle a little bit. Do you think maybe 
expanding the league would would allow more players into the league and more depth into the league, or would that just thin out the league? Especially for I mean, big tournaments like this, because that's, that's that, that could be an issue. That's always the risk when you expand yeah. a league is, you know, are you going to create more opportunity or are you going to dilute what you already have? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they what was the team they just announced in the NWSL? I can think oh. of the logo. I can't think of the name. Hey, uh, no, yeah. not Angel City. That's not new, is that it? No, that sounds familiar. I think it is Angel City. Maybe You're it right. is Angel City. Yeah, it is. It Angel, it is City? Angel City and San Diego Club. Right. Okay. So they have two um, new uh, expansion teams. So I think it will give opportunity to players who want to maybe come from Europe and go into the NWSL. It will dilute teams, though, because those teams will have pick for players. Because you know how they, they can choose yeah. from the roster. The players depth, they, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's going to dilute a little bit, but hopefully now that there's being money pumped into the NWSL, it will also draw some big players. Well, at the same time, I hope that they're recruiting from Canadian American universities as well. Like they're bringing more of those sort of players in, in their fourth year, giving them a chance to to come train with the big club sort of thing and, and have a proper draft. I don't know. I think that'd be a good direction. Maybe get a team up in the North as well. I would love, yeah. Fingers crossed. I think, (laughs) you know, a lot of people are hoping to have like a, like a TFC, you know, like TFC plays in the NW or NWSL in the MLS, you know, we could use one either, whether it's based out of Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal or somewhere to have a a team in one of those big cities to. Well, it would give you, it would give you the viewership that you want um, in Canada. Like, I mean, yeah, it's on Twitch, sure. but you're, 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 how many of those are Canadian viewers unless they're diehard soccer fans? Right. Diehard NWSL fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was watching a stream the other day. It was 7,000 people. I'm like, how many people of this is Canadian? Like, it, it's felt mm-hmm. like there's a lot of American comments when Kaylin Kyle was talking back and all that. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But let's get back into the Olympics because we're so good at diverting. Um, What's been your biggest surprise? And I know I ask you this all the time, but what's been your biggest surprise at this, at these Olympics? Um, I think everyone's biggest surprise for, uh, was that uh, USA loss. Mm. USA losing, was it 3-0 yeah. to uh, Sweden? Yeah. I don't think anybody was expecting Did that. you watch the game? Because I can't find I it on didn't. Gem. Okay, so I saw some of the goals, and Sweden scored some nice goals, not just in this game, but I watched their game against Japan? No, no, no. no. They, Australia? New Zealand? Yeah, Australia. It was against Australia. And um, they scored some really nice goals. Like, they yeah. look really good. But for me, that's my biggest surprise. What yeah. about you? Do you have one? Um, I have a good surprise. I really like the way Zambia has been playing uh zambia against the netherlands i know the score was 10-3 but that was right. not anywhere near what the score did you see of, some of the goals though i watched all the all the goals i watched up until the something like 45th or 50th minute and i was like it's 6-1 like, yeah. i don't know what else to watch so i just forwarded to the goals but i think the dutch are in trouble you and think why their defense is way too le- leaky like it, some it, of the, those goals that Zambia scored were like really questionable defend defensive well, goals. Well, so both teams were playing a high line, so their keepers very were coming high. Up. 
Yeah, the both, both the keepers, some of those goals, the mistake were the keeper was all the way out and just got cut and then it put it in the Yeah, net. and you can't get cut when you're playing Miedema or Mertens or no. Van der Sanden. Um, like, it doesn't make sense to me, but both teams played very high, and I think there's a lot of gaps in the in the Dutch defense. Um, so, yeah, all right, you've, you're leading the group. Sure. sure it, it, means, it means absolutely nothing because... Uh, if Sweden continues their role, if the United States wake up a little, hell, if Japan get paired up as the best third place team to play the Dutch, they're in trouble. Mm. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, biggest surprise though, Zambia is Barbara Banda uh, has the one who scored the three. She has six goals in this tournament. Yeah, she scored three in the the game against the Dutch. Yeah, and she scored three against China. She's been something. I, I was and actually she's quite young too, isn't she? Twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking though, um, her best move would be the French league. You think so? Why? Because she's got the pace for the league. That's and true. she's got the ability to score. So like, maybe Bordeaux. And I, I know I'm putting your team there, but I think having somebody who understands how to run behind defenders is super important. Like you can have a a front two, so she doesn't have to do all the work, but clearly she can handle the work. Oh, like, for so sure. Get I mean, the ball to her. It's like when, when Canada had a young Christine Sinclair, it's like, get the ball to Sinclair and she's going to score. And that's exactly right. how our, how Banda's playing. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think that's yeah. a good statement. Uh, but to see where she ends up. So the, the biggest question I, I guess for out of this game was it was 10, three in the game against uh, the Dutch and the, and Zambia. Right. Um, but the Dutch didn't celebrate as if they scored the biggest goal of their career. And, and I'm, and I comp, talking in comparison to the United States Thailand game a couple of years ago where, know, the the, talking, where everybody's doing celebration yeah, and, and I was like so what do you make of that like the, the celebration difference because like, I mean it was goalkeeping mistakes that led to a lot of the Dutch goals or defensive blunders and and like great finishes just simple goals and like nobody was really out there celebrating until it was a hard-earned goal I, but I think that's the thing, like it to score an easy goal doesn't feel as great for one. And two, I think if you look at the history of, let's say the U.S. compared to the Dutch, right? The U.S. are known to be very showboat, showboasty, boaty. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, very in your face, very proud to be American, very, you know, whereas like the Dutch are just... I don't want to say it's a class thing because it's not, it's not like we're classier and they're not. Mm -hmm. I think it's just more of the, the culture. It has a, has a little bit to do with it. And you know, you can't celebrate big time if you scored a crappy goal in my, in my opinion, like in a game like that, where you're winning 10, three, were they afraid you're up six, one or something, you know, then out of respect, you don't necessarily, you know, celebrate like it's the world cup final. Do you think they were afraid of having a target on the back? Because I can tell you right now, the U.S. have a target on their back. Because everyone's have like, a, has a target on their back for a long time. Yeah, but though. I think that one actually, instead of them being like the the team that you expect to win and being like, you know what, I'm okay with them winning because they're so talented. Now it's like, no, I don't want them to win. Yeah. Not with that squad, not at all. And right, and there's nothing right. wrong with the players on the team, but there's just a couple of them that that really irk you the wrong way. And then, like, do you think that's what the Dutch did? I mean, obviously the Dutch men and women's they're always a lovable squad. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, the the women's squad for the U.S. got a lot of hate for that. They're them celebrating like crazy after that. And a lot of their responses were, yeah, but if the men's side did this, they wouldn't get hate. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Like, even if the men's side had celebrated like crazy, 
beating a team, I don't know, whatever, 10-0. They've, they're like, never going to beat a team 10-0. That's the Sorry, but they're not going to steamroll yeah. a team. The difference between the U.S. program and the women's program is they have the capacity to steamroll anyone right. that's not right. number one. In the world. Like, hell, they can steamroll Canada, and, and that's how good they are. Right. And I, I do agree. I do think that that puts a little bit of a target. Now people don't want to lose to the US. People, people are like, watch us. We're going to come for you and we're going to put our best spot on the field. And I think the, the game against Sweden showed that they, they, they look great in this tournament and I'm excited to see them go hopefully all the way, but you know, they, they scored nice goals. They weren't easy goals. The U.S. did not look great. They were giving up passes. They were passing to the other team, things like that. They were, you know, just kind of simple mistakes. And I think that cost them in the long run. But I don't know. It's going to be interested to see. I think you you mentioned it earlier. We're seeing the gap close a little bit between, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. and the rest of the world. It used to be, you know, especially on the women's side, it was the U.S. dominating, right? The U.S., Maybe, you know, uh, you had Norway pop up a little bit, you had the Germans pop up, Japan, but it was no one, no one really that goes, all right, well, yeah, all right, anyone can win a tournament, but at the same time, it's like they're going to be the favorites and they're going to actually win it because they're that right, right. And and no one could touch them, like they were next level. And and now we're starting to see that gap close a little bit, which is, I think, really exciting for, for women's soccer. It means other countries are investing into the women's side. So on the women's side, it's super exciting. Well, you take a look at a team like Chile, for example, and you're like, a couple of years ago, you wouldn't expect them to be here, but they play very nice football. They did great. And I mean, their goalkeeper plays for now for Lyon, but. Um, she's so good. Holy she's crap. So good. She, like, she can control the ball. Hey, Jordan Pickford, you need to learn a little. Um, you need to, <laughs> like, the ability to play the ball to make big saves, like, she gets beat on very good shots. For sure. And, and I mean, you know, goalkeepers most of the time are never perfect. So I, to me, she's, she's close, close enough. To, oh, she's close to us. Yeah. And you're right. I think, you know, Chile looked good and they're not being steamrolled either. And, you know, those are they're one of the hardworking. teams that. They're super exactly. hardworking. They, they understand how to play the game. They're switching the play. They're making passes. They're just not getting goals and that's okay. But and, you know, maybe that's the, just the, the skill level difference, you know, maybe because you have one or two really special players on, you know, the U S or Canada or um, France or whatever. And mm-hmm. maybe they just don't have that one like special player, but she just can't score there. and save. That's the problem. With, uh, exactly. <laughs> but no, the Chileans look good. I really like the fact that we're seeing more competition in the, in the yeah. women's side. Um, because now you can, you can go to world cup, for example, and France is there, Germany's there and Norway's there. And you're like, yeah, all right. I don't think the U S can win this, but they will, but I don't think they can, like, there's going to be so many issues. Yeah. Well, and it's nice to see the competition's getting closer, but it's also getting better. Like the comp, it's not like teams are getting worse and they're getting older and they're going down. It's people are getting so much better. And that's Mm -hmm. so nice to see on the women's side that it's, it's really getting competitive. That, and I've also noticed another thing is they, they are not, they're not playing one style of football. No. Like the Japanese, they had their 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 offense through their two veteran players and all that stuff. And now you look at them, and it's like we're gonna change our scope. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna be hard working. We're gonna take away space, and that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, okay. So then the the, the follow up to that is is for, versus the Canadian Canadian and U.S. sides. Are the men's closer to the U.S. in terms of getting to their level, or Canada women is closer to the U.S. women's side? 
like what like the gap between the two is it it's so hard to say though because the men's side for canada and the u.s is so different than Mm -hmm. the women's side for the canada and the u.s like the canada and the u.s on the women's side have always been relatively dominant around the world and canada and the u.s on the men's side have never been (laughs) sorry guys you've never been even close to the top right because i mean football is so much more developed on in europe and and maybe you know countries like brazil and stuff like that on the men's side whereas the focus was never that in canada you know our major sports are like lacrosse hockey those kind of things and the investment was not there on the men's side Mm -hmm. now i think it is getting better i mean i don't know if the u.s men are going down or up though i'm really not sure about them they haven't really moved up in a while not that they have bad players it's just i think everyone else around them like mexico is much better honduras is playing well i think they're in in the Concacaf like region but they're not the best team on well, every if, given night if you if you if you were to play oh my god i can't even speak today if you were to play the u.s men against like the the team that we saw in the euro the hungry team that we saw in the euro or or north mass that we saw yeah. in the euro i think those teams would crush the u.s men's side or the canadian men's side yeah like they're just so much more so a bit more there's a massive gap in terms yeah. of and it's not a bad thing. It just shows you that there's still steps moving forward. But I feel sure. like the the U.S. are a little, you know, they're just kind of like stagnant at, at, a, at a certain level. Yeah. But with Herdman, I think Canada is improving. Like the game against Canada and the U.S., I know the U.S. won 1-0. It was one mistake that led to the U.S. goal at the Gold Cup. And Canada looked the better team throughout the rest of the game. Herdman, I think, is such a fantastic coach. I think he showed it on the women's side. And that's why I think they eventually brought him over to the men's side. But I think, like we've, like you said, there's been such an improvement, especially you see it in that Canada-US game or in the Gold Cup in general. Like Canada's been doing decently, so I think, I think Herdman deserves a lot of credit. I think he's such a fantastic coach, and I think his philosophies are great. And I mean, I've never been coached personally by him, but I haven't heard any bad things. Um, yeah. And just seeing what he's done with the national teams, I think you know kudos to him he's he's carried these teams to be super competitive so so basically we're saying that the the men's side is a little bit closer to the u.s side. yeah <laughs> yes i would say so <laughs> yeah i think so okay just just putting <laughs> it up full circle yes. just putting it back that there i mean not yeah. that the women's team isn't but i think there's there's a little bit of a difference playing stuff yeah i i agree um, that's okay um should we talk a little bit about canada and I know yeah. we've been going back and forth with that over mm-hmm. message and we're like, I can't watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first game was a little bit, for me, it was a little bit dull. I only saw the first half um, against Japan. I know it ended 1-1. Um, I mean, both teams were dull, like not just Canada. I, it but just wasn't but a Japan's okay game. doing that, though. Yeah. They're okay taking up gaps. Same thing with the Great Britain game that uh, Japan played. They did the same thing. They just took away space and they're like, we're going to outwork you. And that's exactly what they did. And right. I mean, good. I will say, I I was hoping for a little bit more from Japan, especially being the home country, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that. So, um, not that I was disappointed. I I mean, it's the first game, you know, you're not playing with fans in the stands. That makes a big difference in your, in your home country Mm -hmm. for the Olympics and things like that. So, um, I, can't fault them too much like you said they're they're happy to do that they're comfortable doing that that's their right now that's their playing style um yeah it was just kind of a 
dull game. I think Canada versus um, Chile was a more exciting game. Um, we missed a penalty. It wasn't a bad, it wasn't a terrible penalty. Um, unfortunately, just hit the post. Um, but I think that was a much better game. I think Becky did really well that game, regardless of missing the penalty. So, yeah, okay. Both both goals. So the one in open play by Japan yeah. and the one that led to the penalty. Um, the defense was split on Japan both. Japan or Chile? Chile and Japan. So like the Japan yeah. goal, um, Buchanan and Zdorsky were split. Like they yeah. just got outplayed and then that goal should not have gone in because it bounced in and I don't know where Sheridan was. Um, and then the the Chile game, the, the, the Chilean player did the same thing. Split through both of them and got taken down by, by right. Zdorsky. So that's a huge issue for me. Do you, and I know you've suggested this before, but do they go back five now for the last game just to see if they can take away any operation? Because I think Great Britain's in this position where they have so many good players, but their attack is still going through one player, just like Canada is. Right. With with White. So I don't know. I'd be worried. Like, do you it's start Vanessa? Why not? Give Vanessa a chance. Like, I think she proved herself in that. I mean, everybody talks. She's the hero in that U.S. game Mm -hmm. um, way back and kind of, you know, made her name known at that point. And I, you know, the defense isn't bad, but like you said, they're kind of getting split at this point and and against a better opponent, it's going to show. And, you know, give Vanessa a chance, throw maybe throw back five in there you know, shut down, if they're filtering through white, just shut her down, you know, it's the same, they're probably going to try this, do the same thing with us, just shut down Sinclair. But the difference is the Britain midfield is better than ours. Yes, I, yes, I, yeah. I do agree, I think, I also think they have a little bit more depth too, I think that squad is so strong this year, they look so good, like, I was I remember when they got announced I was like I think they they posted on Instagram and they put all the pictures of the players and I was like oh my god just like swiping through well off the bench you can afford to get Stanway and Tune and Daly not starting and you're like right what yeah can't do that with anyone else it's no it's wild um what are your what are your predictions for for Canada for the next game or you know just in general that game I think it's going to be like a random goalless draw because neither team's going to want to give anything away. And at this point, the Brits just need a they just need a point to win the, the thing. And I think I don't think anyone's catching Canada. No, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think both teams are fairly safe. And like you said, they don't really want to give anything up at this point. But they just can't we'll be say. complacent. They just can't yeah. be complacent. I've had a huge issue with this for a while now. It's just that unilateral attack of let's get Sinclair. Like, Last game, she played center attacking mid. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But shouldn't, you know, Jesse Fleming get that opportunity because she's so good on the ball? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it comes down to coach's decision and and what they coach's want throughout decision. the game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what the coach decides throughout the game. I know that's like kind of a cop-out like uh, statement, but, you know, coach comes- decides who plays and who goes where and what the game plan is. So, okay. Um, yes, as players, it's also your responsibility to adjust throughout the game and, and make changes, but not when your coach is yelling instructions every five seconds because something looks off. Right. And if <laughs> yeah. you have a lead, please like don't just chill. Because that's what happened. They just were second to the ball. 
they're like, yeah, whatever. We have a lead. And then all of a sudden you're going to get a chance and your defense is going to get split. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's also maybe you're not prepping. You should be prepping the same way you you're prepping for like a U.S. or a Sweden or Great Britain, but mentally, you know, it's very difficult to be, to go into a game against Chile thinking you're playing the U S you know, but that's what the best teams in the world do. They, they go into every game thinking that they're playing their toughest competition ever. And I think that's maybe where Canada lacks a little bit is um, we fall into that trap of playing down a little bit to the level Mm -hmm. of, of the team we're playing when we have the ability to, to, you know, play better than that or, you know, control and dominate games. So hopefully in the next game, it'll be an, a really exciting match. I'm hoping, but if it's kind of what you're predicting where nobody wants to give anything up, it could potentially just be like a, a ping pong game back and yeah. forth. Because a, a point so. for both teams would guarantee one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Japan actually needs to beat Chile in order to be the, the next third team that's the best or whatever. And I mean, whatever that can, anything can happen there, but Canada needs to improve. There, sure. There's there's a lot of little things that are. I also think we're, we're extra critical on Canada because we're Canadians. So we're like I mean, we're critical on a lot of things. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm I mean, like, I can't yeah. play, but I can tell you that from an outside view, like that's what it looks like. And um, I'm sure if, if we to- asked Becky this question, she'd be like, well, some of it's right, but you know what? You maybe miss this, this, and this. And we're like, For sure. yeah, I remember. But I'd also like to see like Schmidt get in there and you know Evelyn get in there and get some minutes. Is Schmidt and... on the roster? Okay, so she was on the Olympic roster, like the full roster, but I didn't see her on the roster for the last game. No. So I don't me know. If maybe they're just because they're missing originally that. she but originally she wasn't on the Olympic roster and then the Olympic committee decided that they could take 23. So then yeah. she got put onto the Olympic roster with uh, like Haitama yeah. and like a couple others. Um, I'm really sad she's not playing in there. Like she's, I think one of our better players from the national team. And... Well, we're getting run in the midfield because like yeah. Desiree Scott can't be covering everything. No, it's too much work. It's too much work for her. It's too much work for anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't do everybody's job. Like if you go back to, and I know this is the good old days, but Diana Matheson, Desiree Scott, and and Sophie Schmidt, you realize that if if Desiree Scott loses the ball, Smith is there. If Smith loses sure. the ball, you have Matheson. So it was like this little loop. Right, but it's and not that, happening. that's how the midfield, mid the midfield. That's how the midfield should be. Is you know you're you're in like a constant cycle of but it's not you go I you step I cover you know yeah and right now I think we're lacking that I think we're lacking a little bit of connection maybe like I don't think Quinn knew that at all when when that game against mm. the the Japanese happened because she wasn't covering Scott on a mm. lot of plays but you know Grosso did a good job coming in and, and making sure and yeah I, I think, think she's our only good game. is she our only left footed player by the way I don't know. Because, because, like, I thought Ashley. No, sorry. Yeah, no, I thought Ashley Lawrence was a left-footed no. player playing on the right, but she's actually no. a right-footed player because yesterday she kept cutting in to to deliver crosses, and 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 Julia Grocer was the only one that was Julia Grocer, yeah, um, yeah. was the only one that was like coming in with her left foot and and providing a different path because everything looked like it was going to come out like that, but she was like, okay. Do you, their... I have a question. Yeah. With that thought in mind, do you think left-footed it's do you think left-footed players make a huge difference like change the game for for teams? 
I think so because the way the ball comes in is the difference. Right. Um, like they have the ability, like same thing with the right footed player, you have the ability to cut in or come out, but with the left footed player that you're missing that on the other side. Right. That's my only, that's my only concern. I mean, you look at Aryan Robin, the ability to come in from the left and, and put a cross in or coming from the right and cut in. Right. right. And I think we're missing that with another player. I mean, Luke Shaw does it well, and I know you don't like him very much, but <laughs> Like he has the ability to pump crosses in from that side rather than having to cut inside. Right. And, and if he's going to cut inside, then he has, he can pass that to McTominay or something or, right. or Maguire right, right, does right. that for United. But I don't know. I think it plays Maguire. a little bit. Of, well, it it gives you a different, it gives you a different look on set pieces as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's um important to have players of different abilities and having a left foot versus a right foot is definitely a different ability because it gives a different perspective like you said so I was just curious what you thought about that no I think it's, some it's people a good are like ah no it doesn't make a difference you need but. to have a balance because like if I'm standing over a free kick and it's just Sinclair and there's no doubt about it it's going to be Sinclair I still want to see a left-footed player because of the angle get that chance to, to maybe okay question then someone. yeah I know this is a little bit off topic but do you think then left-footed players get easier an easier look for being picked for national teams or professional teams or things like that it depends on the coaching uh approach like i know there's some coaches that go if it's a left-footed player left back that's what i want right um and other coaches just go well as long as you can play on that side i don't really care right um, so Yes and no, because I mean, there's some coaches that go, we need left footed players and others say it doesn't matter. Right. But it's good yeah, to have true. someone. It's good to have someone on left left footed ability. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it depends on your right footed, right? Too. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, I'm right footed. Can you play I'm with normal. your left? Um, It's getting better. Okay, good. It's getting better. Because I mean, because um, there's a lot of players that can uh, can play with both feet. Like I think of someone who's very effective in Santi Cazola who can play with both feet. Um, right. I wouldn't say I'm uh, ambidextrous, ambidextrous. How do you say it? Is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, yeah, I can't say words today. Well, um, I don't know words either, so it's okay. <laughs> it's taken me a long time to work on my left foot because I am very much naturally right-footed. Gotcha. Right-handed, right-footed, my right side, my left yeah. side doesn't know how to function. Right. But um, I think, yeah, in soccer and i'm sure many sports too but soccer it's very beneficial to be able to be you know 100 percent with both sides or mm-hmm. you know 70 percent with both sides right yeah well i mean if your back is to the goal you can if you go left foot it, it changes the direction if you go right foot it yeah. changes the direction super well, handy it gives you have. more options just yeah. to to like if you're playing against somebody who's only right footed, then you know you just take it off their right foot every single time. But if they can go left foot, right foot, up, down, sideways, you're like, oh my god, what do I do? You know, it, it, it obviously it's it's a benefit for sure. Oh, and I will say, we should probably mention that Quinn is the first openly transgender competitor at the Olympics. Oh, I did not know that. No, you didn't. Okay, well that fun fact for everybody so i think that's a big step forward for humans humans society in general society yeah i didn't even know that i'm like you're representing canada it makes no difference to me right like i mean i don't know if that's the right approach but i mean at the same time if you're 
if you're Canadian, I'm going to cheer for you no matter what. Exactly. And I think that's the best way. Like that mentality is definitely the best. Like if you're a Canadian athlete or whatever, then Canada's rooting for you regardless. Right. So I, st- I still don't think Quinn should start though because. <laughs> well, that uh, has nothing to do with. That's a, that has nothing to do with. With it, gender. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do. I think the midfield that we had against the Chileans should be the one starting. But. Who was that? That was Fleming, Scott. Or so. Grosso. Yeah, Grosso did a good job. And I think um as long as seen just try not her. to give the ball away. Yeah. Yeah. Very good at tracking back and taking away space. And I was like, fantastic. Couldn't keep the ball. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think that's something that Canadians in general need to work on. Like, because we've been taught, at least like me and probably the older um age groups were always taught like get the ball make a pass get the ball make a pass get the ball make a pass like you know when you come from other countries like brazil or they're taught to dribble take players on and i think that that coaching style in canada needs to change a little bit and i think you you see it in the national level like they want to win the ball make a pass win the ball make a pass right trying to start but you're making too many passes uh, on account exactly exactly and instead of you know taking the responsibility and taking players 1v1 and things like that. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I win the ball, make a pass. Like taking players on 1v1 is not my style. But I think we in Canada need to start It's teaching. not a huge Canadian thing, eh? No, it's not. On one-on-one. It's not. You don't think of Canada and you think, oh, they're going to out-dribble us. No, you think of Brazil and you're like, I can't get beat on the dribble. Yeah. Or, you know, um, more like Latin American countries. Typically, they're the ones that are going to dribble you. It's not Canada. So no. <laughs> I think it's important that coaches start incorporating more of that into the youth levels so that come to the national team you have that ability mm-hmm. and you have that tool in your toolbox that you can just whip out and say okay now I'm going to be you on the dribble or I'm going to mm-hmm. pass the ball around you either way I'm going to beat you so yeah. I think we lack that a little bit at the national level. that makes a lot of sense because I had a coach that was like you can't have the ball more than five seconds to make a decision and you're like but if nobody's open and I have space do I not go for it right like, no put it in the box it's like but you're losing possession exactly exactly this is why so, i didn't last in soccer for very long because i didn't didn't understand why i don't know you're like too many questions shut up and do the drill <laughs> i was like but that doesn't make sense it's like why i was like you know when you have so much space and you're like i'm gonna yeah. go i might not make the right pass in the end but i have space to go that that, that means yeah. that the other team has to learn to cover me so it opens up someone else you know mm-hmm. no you can't have the ball for well, look, five at, seconds. look at teams like like the national team on the women's side look at spain Look at how many of them are making one-touch passes. Never. None of them. Rarely, mm-hmm. unless they have to. They're taking two or more, or they're taking players on. They're dribbling. They're they're attacking the open space. And it it is, as a defender, I don't want you to dribble at me. I want you to try and make a pass, because that's much easier to read than when you're dribbling at me. So I think that's something that Canada in general, like Canadians, myself included, lack. Yeah. Is that, you know, ability to to drive at players and take them on when we want to dribble it's because we're not we're not taught it at a young level like they're taught you know win a tackle play a long ball (laughs) distribute boring soccer yeah it's like kind of that old english style soccer well i mean we are a commonwealth country so i guess i'll give us there you go but there you go i think it's changing and i hope it changes for the better um one last thing before we head into a break because i was a quite a long segment there yeah it was. Uh, sorry for the the diverts as i divert right now um aside from soccer what are you looking for at the olympics 
I'm super excited. I love to watch track, any all any and all of the track and field events. I have a couple of friends. Shout out Samori, who made his first Olympics. Him and I went to school together at Kent State. Pew pew. Um yeah, pew, pew, pew. Um, I really love watching he's a long jumper, um, so cheering for him. But I really love watching um the like sprints, the hundred meter, two hundred meter. Um yeah I love the track and field events I love swimming I like to watch the swimming as well um those are the two I think major events that I'm looking forward to what about you oh same thing I mean they're the two biggest things I think that's what the Olympics is made for yeah. is, mm-hmm. is that but I mean diving has has done a good job they've introduced skateboarding this year skateboarding uh, been... surfing and rock climbing yeah that's really so cool. I'm curious like to see what the rock climbing is going to be i think it's mm. speed rock climbing oh it's like how do you get to the top the fastest sort of thing yeah i nice. think it's like that but i'm not like too stack sure. the cups but you're climbing up walls basically nice nice i really like the shooting events oh okay they're interesting because you see how how everyone has to like relax and, and get their shot away they're really cool in the winter olympics because you're skiing while you're doing it right um, i like the the what's that event called biathlon maybe i don't know the name i just know that if there's a gun strapped to their back i'm gonna watch it because it's cool (laughs) um i watched a little bit i do enjoy cycling i watched a little bit um between the games yesterday they they showed the cycling mm -hmm. um and that was kind of fun to watch i I mean the tour de france was just on as well so i've gotten a fair share my fair share of cycling this year but it's nice um, it's nice when yeah. everyone's just like riding together and all of a sudden there's like three or four that just leave the yeah dart out. Like, no, stay out of here yeah um yeah i don't know some i mean canada's made the 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 gymnastics portion like the trampolining uh a thing over the last couple of years with rosie mclennan um right Simone Biles just love watching her because like everyone's oh, like yeah. oh, it was amazing and then she does her routine i saw the clip and i'm like how gymnastics blows my mind i just i can't even i can't touch my toes so like i'm just gonna say that i try to (laughs) touch my toes and i'm like uh how do these girls flip around and tie their bodies into knots i don't get it i tried pilates a couple weeks ago and then and they did this stretch and i was like no Pilates is hard okay hey there was yeah and they're like if you know how to do pilates you're actually set better than and than deadlifting because like you know you're building muscle but you're also right. like learning flexibility at the same time no knock to, to bodybuilders or whatnot but like get them to do it it was interesting oh i will say we also watched the three three v three basketball which was kind of interesting to watch i've never God, watched I, a three v three basketball tournament uh i haven't since i was a kid so <laughs> i'll go back and i'll go watch replay on that because i'm trying to catch up there but yeah that was kind of interesting i'm just looking at what oh volleyball i love watching the the beach volleyball too what do you think of the controversy okay again off topic on the on the beach jerseys? volleyball yeah like the women have to wear the two-piece or whatever and the men can be in full gear if they have to and that also has been discriminating against people that have to wear like hijabs or something right who have to be covered yeah i think it's stupid i think it's if you i i think the girls can easily compete in tank tops and leggings or t-shirt and leggings i don't see what makes the difference i don't know why they have to be in a bikini um like why are you sexualizing the game yeah because it is it's always been like that like even on the indoor on the women's they were those tiny 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 little shorts yeah 
You the don't guys just to. wear normal basketball shorts or whatever. I say if you're gonna do that, the men have to be in the same outfit. I would agree. Let's let's do that on beach volleyball. You gotta wear a speedo. Sorry. Speedo. Don't you? Yeah, you gotta wear like the the the, the tidy whitey speedo. That's yeah. what you have mm-hmm. to do. Not that I want to see anyone's junk on, on national no. TV. <laughs> but it's the same idea. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I think the girls should be able to wear like if they're I don't know if they're worried about clothing catching, then wear like you know those like surf tops, like the mm-hmm. long surf tops, wear the long surf tops and long leggings. Yeah. I, I'd What's be okay with it. If you if it's for your religion purposes and you have to be covered, then that's an alternative. For sure. Um, I don't know what they're worried about. I mean, if you're gonna miss the ball, you're gonna miss the ball. It, yeah. In for me, I, I wouldn't want to be playing in a super teeny tiny bikini. I don't know, a boob's gonna fly out or something. Like I just don't see yeah. how that could be comfortable for them. Like they're diving around in the in the sand and I mean, good. I mean, that's such a hard sport. Good for those athletes, period. But Super I think painful. they should be, yeah. I think they should be able to wear, I don't think that should be the mandatory uniform. No. And if that's what they want to wear, beautiful. Do it. Yeah. If that's not what you want to wear, beautiful. You should have another option. Can't be imposed to wearing it. And if the higher ups are men making the decision, I think it's time for a little. That's going to be a problem. Let's rotate you out. Yes. And with that rotation talk, we'll go into a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about something other than the Olympics. Come join me, Kellen Forrest, on the On The Mic college basketball podcast powered by the Garage Door Sports Network, where we talk everything from my disdain for Duke basketball to my love for Kentucky and John Calipari and everything in between. Check us out under the Shows tab at garagedoorsports.com and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host Nick McVicker for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episodes available every Tuesday wherever you download your favorite podcasts from 20 Minutes on Ice. Part of the Garage Door Sports Network. What up, guys? It's your host, Nick McVicker. And if you are looking for a weekly sports podcast to fill your sports needs, you've come to the right place. Garage Door Sports, hosted by myself, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji, brings you all the up-to-date news, notes, and opinions on everything in the sporting world. If you like good conversation, good friends, and a lot of jokes being thrown around, You've come to the right place. Don't forget to check us out on all your favorite streaming sites, and we will make sure we bring you content every Saturday right here on Garage Door Sports. All right. We are back from our uh, quick little break. So we're done with Olympic talk. We talked a little bit about, you know, sexism and things like that. We've got a, a big topic coming up from what we saw at the end of the Euros. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a big topic right now. I think it's a big topic throughout. We've seen it kind of throughout the last maybe two years. It's been kind of put on blast and, and, you know, that's racism in, in soccer and sports in general. And what are your thoughts about what happened after the Euros with the um, England national squad? To be honest, it took me a while to come up with any other conclusion. Cause I was like, I, I don't know what to say. Right. I was I was speechless and and it's because you know me for a few months now and oops um 
sorry that was uh anyway um but you know me for a few months to know that I stand up for these things and I absolutely will get on it and and tell people off if I have to and I'm not afraid of using a platform that I have to do it I just didn't have words for it I was so shocked because it was like why what what why are you doing this like they they destroyed they destroyed Marcus Rashford's mural mind you this guy during the pandemic did what he did yes or no like that was like that was amazing what he did and you're telling me because he missed a stupid penalty for the first time because your team can't win this isn't his fault at all it's not sancho's fault um it's not saka's fault i think garrett southgate gets the blame for this one i think it's coach's fault if you're gonna blame anybody yeah but you know the the sad part was and i know i didn't say this on air when we were together but the fact that there were three colored people in a row i looked at that and i was like i'm afraid i'm just a little afraid that if this doesn't go in we're screwed um and yeah all right whatever england hasn't won in i don't know since 66 or whatever but who cares right it's their fault for not fielding a proper team in the first for the first time in years there's a competitive roster out and you're led by black players raheem sterling's been your best player for four years now Right. And mind you, he gets a lot of hate in general. And I don't like him. And I'm like, here's supporting the guy because it's true. Like where credit is due, that's where you got to do it. I'm just, for sure. I was just sad because. Well, and I saw Rashford, Rashford won something recently. The MBE. No, I know he's an MBE. Um, And I saw this tweet. I can't remember exactly what it was about. And he was like before anybody comes at me for getting like this lump of money let's say he's like just so you know I I um yes I drive a Mercedes Bentley whatever I don't Mm -hmm. know what he drives but most of my money goes to my charity 70% of this went to um feeding hungry kids 80% of this money went to any like listed why does he have to give a breakdown of it like sorry but let me go ask Ronaldo. Not who, cares, not who cares where his money's going. Who cares about the car he's driving? Like, but I don't care about the breakdown either because I know he's actually doing good work. So if he's saving half his money for himself and his family, who gives a shit? He's playing to make money for himself, but he's being kind enough and because that's who he is to he, share it. He doesn't need to give his money to anybody. He's are you going over money. to? Are you going over to Ronaldo and talking about his like whatever cars he has and goes? Are you going to donate yeah. any of that? No, no, nobody says shit about it. No, because unfortunately you're looking at his color and you're like, you don't deserve that. And that's all we're asking you this question. Right. And don't deny it for anybody. I'm not, not telling you, but like people in general, like you're, you're just going to say, no, it's not, but it is. It's an, it's, this, it's this unconscious bias has been drilled into our, our society. And whether that is the baby boomer age or even our, our age group um, or our generation, it's still there and it still sort of comes out and you don't mean it or you do mean right. it. But it's there because it's implemented and it's it's ingrained in your brain because you see your parents or your grandparents do it. Right. For me, it was just disgusting seeing what happened to the mural and you know the fact that um, what's the what's the prime minister of England? What's his name? Boris Johnson. Boris, yeah, he had to go on the air and make a statement about the abuse that these players are getting, and you know it was taken it's taken way too far and it's it's ridiculous and it's sad that we're still dealing with these issues to that major extent that you just because your country didn't win 
the Euro that you feel obligated to say these things about these players or go destroy so, a mural or so when Beckham when Beckham hit the hit his penalty over the the bar they're like oh poor Beckham and they make fun of him for it but like it wasn't that oh that that white bastard or whatever sorry I don't mean to they didn't that, go just, they didn't go destroy his mural no, did they no Probably they didn't not. they they still bought a, his jersey at Real yeah. Madrid or Manchester United because he's an English boy I saw the best tweet uh, on the day of or around the same time it was by Ahmed Ali and he's like win and you're England lose and you're black right um and that's, that's probably wild. why I didn't that's probably why I didn't have much to say because it was like you just said it in in a sentence or two you said it in four words basically that's like it's it's bigger than soccer it's bigger than football it's bigger than the sport and it's ridiculous that especially in this like day and age you know we're we're you know we have situations we have George Floyd and we have you know um Black Lives Matter movement and all these things you know people are doing such great things to try and make a difference and then you see people's true colors come out in you know this kind of a situation again and you know I I can't say I know what that's like because I'm a white female, you know, I, I can't, but I still think it's ridiculous. And I think we all need to do our part to make a difference and and do what we can. And, you know, I think we try to hear at touchline thoughts and garage door sports. And um, I know you especially are a very uh, big advocate for all of that. And, yeah. I mean, growing up, it was always, you're playing in a white man's sport. What are you doing? was the question that right. I always got asked. And right. I mean, how many athletes have you, could you have come across that can make it to the big stage, but they can't, not that I'm saying I would be at the big stage or anything, but no, but it's a barrier. It's a massive barrier. It's a massive barrier. And if you're looking for someone who speaks on this um, a lot and is, is such a good advocate for everything, you know, women in sports, uh, people of color in sports. Uh, she was a guest on our, on our show, Shiri Ahmed, go follow her because I think, she always puts these statements out and you're like, damn, I didn't think of it that way, but it's true. Right. Um, and if you argue with her and it's a vital, you know, it's a good argument, she'll, she'll admit to it, but you have to be careful because she's so good on her. She's so good with these topics that she's right. going to educate you at the same time. Which is great. And we need more people like that. Um, I mean, myself included, I need to be educated about it too. Cause like I said, I, I have never experienced it firsthand. So I can't say I relate and I can't say, I can't pretend to relate, you know, and no, no, but you're trying. And, you know, like Nick always asks me this question. He's like, I don't know what else to do. And I'm like, but did you make, did you make an effort? He's like, yeah, you're making an effort, man. Right. I mean, to me, when I see that, I go, that's good enough for me, but I mean, not for everybody. Right. No, and I think, you know, that's half the battle is it's somewhere to start, you know, if you don't know what to do and, you know, you're, you're like me and maybe haven't been personally affected by um, racism and those kind of things, reach out to somebody, you know, who has or has been in that situation and just ask them what you can do to help or Mm -hmm. ways to be informed and things like that. And I think that's, in my opinion, that's a good first step. Yep. Ask or, I mean, you know, for some people it's like, ask. Um, and then there's other people that will say, don't ask me anything, go, go search it up, go figure it out yourself. Right. So you're going to get two steps of people, but make sure you, you make that first step. Cause I think realizing you're an ally and an actual ally and not just, uh, you know, you're, we support you, but in, at the end of the day, it's like, they don't. Right. 
that's the biggest thing um i mean racism is a huge thing i mean sexual abuse is a huge thing sexism in sports is a huge thing so as long as you're following up on these things and, and staying awake and not ignorant is a huge huge thing right and and there's a lot of battles that you know people in sport are trying to fix and you know like we talk about sexism in sport racism in sport all those things you know we see it very very big and broadcasted in soccer especially because everywhere in the world people play soccer and everybody in the world plays soccer every country you know so mm-hmm. i think it's a football soccer however you you say it or or play it or are a fan or whatever there's ways to get involved and make a difference in the sport um and you know in life in general but you can always if if soccer is your passion you can start there and you know I think the people listening soccer is their passion so I think that's a great place to start if you don't know where to start um support those athletes support the female athletes um athletes of color um you know athletes of gen- different gender orientation different gender as well because exactly. I learned something new today yeah and yeah. I, I we actually saw that and I, I saw it I saw a couple tweets about Quinn as well um if you don't know the transgender Canadian Olympic athlete um for the the national team Canadian national team um and they couldn't get Quinn's pronouns correct for mm-hmm. commentating and that was a big issue you know uh, they have been playing for the national team for a while. And since they came out and changed their pronouns, I think commentators need to be diligent and do their research. And I know it's hard and it's not natural to say, I don't mm-hmm. mean transgender is not natural. I mean, to say they is the not pronouns. a natural, like yeah. the pronoun is not a natural thing. Cause you want to say he or she, mm-hmm. um, but like I said, it's been ingrained. It's this unconscious bias. That's been exactly. Yeah. But I think, I think as a commentator, that's your job. And you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's today, it's one athlete tomorrow. It could be 12 athletes that you, so you, you have to start and you need to start. Right. And there's so many athletes now that don't use just one pronoun. They have call me all the pronouns because I I'm gender fluid for example exactly so no. you know I don't it's not that hard to say Quinn or say they you know yeah. or them or they, yeah sorry or I, I think I said she a few times and I apologize for that but no you're right and I think understanding that but nobody wants change nobody likes this little change that's happening and I think that's the problem right and hopefully hopefully it changes a little bit We'll see, but well, I think with our generation and maybe our kids' generation and our grandkids' generation, we're thinking very far ahead as we manifest all this. Um, Manifesting, um, but <laughs> but as we as I think it's it's how you how you teach your teach your kids in their futures um, on what what can be acceptable because I mean as a kid I didn't look at color I know that I didn't it just ended up becoming when people start segregating you based on color and then you realize that no oh, I'm actually brown you know or right. I'm white or I'm black, or I'm not. Or I'm purple. Yeah. I'm a Smurf, I'm blue. <laughs> I'm a Smurf, I'm blue. I'm uh, Barney, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. And, you know, I think, like I said before, soccer is a good way to start if you don't know where to start. Start with your sport, start with something you're passionate about. You know, um, it takes half a brain to not go on Twitter and say something racist, so don't do it. <laughs> you know? Well, like, people, like, reread their tweets or something before they they send it out like i sit there i think the problem is they just don't think there's anything wrong with it you know ah that is the problem that's the problem it's not so much like let me 
let me edit this quickly. It's what I said is what I think and I, what I think is right. So. And there's somebody that's always going to support you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no matter how good. Is... And no matter how stupid you are, there'll be somebody out there to support you. Well, I mean, you. that's the thing with free speech is the ability to say what you would like to say. But like, I think free speech plus being cognizant of your surroundings should be a stipulation. Yeah, free, I'm sick of that free speech argument because it's absolute total bullshit, but... Uh, free speech when you've been a victim of something yes uh but free speech just to be an asshole yeah that that to me doesn't i don't know two sides of the coin i think if you ask someone in that area they'd say the opposite so yeah for sure um on that note that does it for today i know we had some heavy topics but i think we also covered some great things um any final final thoughts before we sign off yeah i got this one that i was okay so this came up on ted lasso guys watch ted lasso it's hilarious um it's this like american football coach going to england to coach soccer great little show it's great um, he goes to spurs right no some random team called richmond fc oh but they play like where... city they wait, play wait, crystal wait. palace there's a co- there's a co- little comedy skit yeah where it's not Ted Lasso I think it's somebody else and he goes to Tottenham and he's a fo- American football coach and he starts to try he's like where are your pads why does nobody have pads on <laughs> anyway <laughs> no, this, sorry continue he doesn't he doesn't do this um but he 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 doesn't understand the game either so it's interesting but it's like this it, he's this lovable dude um but anyway so you know how uh, I think everyone's heard me say this like I keep saying the same word and it sounds different every time I say it like root 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 so the saying it's called semantic satiation because um there was a scene in the lasso and I think he says like ace a few times and he's like I don't know what I'm saying anymore and one of the other actors or the character says oh it's called semantic satiation and I was like you're like I figured it out <laughs> I know what it means <laughs> So uh, next time you and I do this and I go, oh, this thing with root and route and there you go. There's a word (laughs) for it. Semantic. What is it? Semantic? Satiation. Satiation. So I don't know if I'm saying it right, but S-A-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Satiation. Yeah, Yeah. that's how I would say it. There. Cute little Wow. Right? We're learning something on this podcast that isn't drink or tea related. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what's your tea recommendation for today? Um, I did Earl Grey with some vanilla and um, bergamot. It's a, it's another Nes- Nestle tea, or Tetley tea, sorry. Um, it's like cream Tetley, of Earl. It's not David's tea, come on. No, it's, it's very similar to the cream of Earl Grey at David's tea okay it's not very exciting i'm sorry I, yeah, i've kind of run out of my one. i've been running out of my teas maybe i'll just like go through david's tea and tell you which ones i enjoy yeah okay i'll do yeah, that for next we'll episode. do that next time i have a list and tell us why yeah. you enjoy each one okay and what it's best paired with uh final thoughts for you uh no i don't really have anything exciting right now no um, okay here i'll ask you an exciting question okay ask me who's the best women's player in the world right now That's a little loaded. That's a, such a loaded question. And my answer is still going to be Marta. Okay. Okay. What about you? I was thinking Mertens this past year. Interesting. Okay. No, I mean, just like. She's had a good year. She has had a good year. She's had a very good year. So, I mean, I guess I should have said best player in the world for this past year. Yeah. Okay. That uh, makes the question a little That different. makes a difference. Uh, not of all time. I mean, I guess of all yeah. time is, is Marta for you and. 
Um, but no, I think Mertens has had a hell of a tournament plus a year at Barcelona. But sorry, I should have specified this past year because it kind of sounded like our greatest of all time. Right. I was like, hmm, okay. Yeah, still the same answer for me. <laughs> no. Sorry, I was trying to make it this past year or currently the best player in the world. But yeah, I guess it could still be part I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. But my other fast final thought is stay hydrated, my friends, it is scorching out there. You've been training in the heat? Have I been training in the heat? Oh my god, I'm so sunburned, it's not even funny. Yes, I've been training in the heat. <laughs> Drink water, folks. Stay hydrated, friends. Stay hydrated. Uh, have some tea when you're not outside. There you go. That's another <laughs> way to stay hydrated. Well, you can make it iced tea. You can drink it outside. Oh, yeah. 100% recommend. It's called Caribbean Teas or something like that. I'm going to send a picture to you, Paige, because uh, I keep telling you. Please but do. I bought it and it's like it's like $2.50 for like, I don't know how many sachets. And it's like different flavored teas. You can just, you can turn them into iced teas. That's lovely. And I think that's great for the summertime. That's how you stay hydrated. Yeah. Friends. Don't go buy yourself something from Tim Hortons or Starbucks. Make it no, at no. home. It's cheaper. Just make it and it tastes better. Yes. Because you're putting all your love into it and not it's ice. More, yeah. <laughs> it's made with love. Yes. All right. Well, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a like or leave a rating, especially if you like our outro sec, but it's always fun. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TouchlineTH. You can follow Paige at Culver underscore Paige and myself at Irfan Manji. Um, don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sports or check out GarageDoorSports.com. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next match day. Cheers.